I know that I know that I know that I know. Job said, when he calls, I'll answer. When he calls, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready right now. I'll be honest about it. I don't really want to go right now. But I'm ready. I'm ready. And I don't have a say-so in when I get to go. Did you know that? You don't either. By the way, kids, just refrain from leaving. It's no children's church today. You get to put up with me for the next 30 whatever minutes. But I'm glad I'm a sinner saved by grace today. <laughs> yes, I can remember the day when the Lord saved me. I remember, you know what, I, I was raised, I'm going to get to my message here in a moment, I know. I was raised as a PK, a preacher's kid in a pastor's home. And I had to come to the realization that one day that that don't matter. That don't matter. That I needed Jesus just as much as anybody else in this world needed Jesus. And Jesus doesn't look upon, well, he's a pretty good kid or she's a pretty good girl or, you know, no. We're all sinners in need of his grace. But I remember going to the altar two churches ago, buildings, out there on Dayton Road, Old Boone Station School. And I remember kneeling down and just saying, God, I, I save me. I need your salvation. Well, guess what? I was just about 11 years old when that took place. I'd like to say I've lived every day where Jesus would be very proud of me. But I couldn't. May I say, none of y'all could either, right? No. We strive to do that. But I'm glad he doesn't look at my faults or failures and say, well, just forget it then. No. The love of God reaches further still. I want to read you a passage of Scripture today out of the book of Matthew. If you have your Bibles and like to turn into the book of Matthew, going to be reading there today. Matthew is the first of the four Gospels of the New Testament. And so we want to look in, in that passage today. And just hear what God has in store for us. And so I ask you, with all of that being said today, uh, just a simple question. And the simple question that I want to ask you today is, uh, what is your most prized possession? What is your most valuable possession that you have? You probably haven't thought of that much. Maybe, maybe... Uh, uh, you know, I, I see some of these men leaning over, and I don't read lips, but they better have said, you are, honey. <clears throat> May I remind you, we don't possess them. We are partners, mates. What is your most possession, precious possession? You know, to some people, it might be fine art. 
To some people, uh, you know, they can buy art and, 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 and put it on a wall and it's worth, what? you got to be kidding. You know. But that's their possession and their prized possession. And they like to talk about it. And, and, and the artist and all those things and, and tell you just what it is. And you stand there like you think you know what you're looking at and you really don't. But that's what they think is their most prized possession. Maybe to some, it's their home. And, you know, these you, you look on the TV and that million-dollar-plus home thing or whatever. And now they even got one where you buy your own island. Did you know that? Yeah. But you look on there, and, and then they might say, well, that's my most prized possession. And maybe it's your automobiles. You know, some people can have a collection. and You know, I read the other day where Jay Leno... Somebody asked me the other night, I told him I went to bed about 10, 10, 30. He said, do you know who Jay Leno is? I said, who? But someone told me the other day, I read the other day that Jay Leno had about 150 cars and they were valued at over $50 million. That's quite a collection. And I heard him talking about how, they, how much they meant to him. Now, I'm saying all those things to tell you that's not in my class. I'm pretty much going to tell you, it's probably not in yours either, right? But regardless of those, we can still answer and we have to answer the question, what is your most valuable possession? Now, if I was to say, think about it, and I want someone to answer me, I don't want you to do that because guess what? I already know what your most valuable possession is. I already know. And just in case you're having difficulty trying to figure out just what it is, I want to show you what Jesus says your most valuable possession is. And maybe you've never even thought of it. But I want to show you, and if you believe the Word of God, this is it. This is your most valuable possession. In the book of Matthew... It's found in a couple of the Gospels, but I want to read here out of Matthew 16 chapter. I don't know if I said that, but it's up there. 16 chapter, and I want to start in verse 24. Matthew 16 and verse 24. I want us to look at this and just what Jesus talks about. <clears throat> Goes into other things, but in the essence of time today and a few other scriptures I want to read, I'm going to go right to the point. And in verse 24, uh, four, Jesus said, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. Listen now. For what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So Jesus is saying, your soul is worth everything that could, you could ever imagine in the world. 
The collection of cars, uh, 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 the fine art and all of those things. It does not matter what all you have. You can have all the oil there is in the world. You can have all the diamonds and all the wealth of all the uh, countries in all the world. That could all be at your hands and it could all be yours. Uh, but there is something even more valuable and more precious than all of those things. And you know why? Because when you die, you don't take it with you. Somebody else will get the art. Somebody else will get the car. Somebody else will get the home. Everybody else will get the diamonds or whatever it might be. But my friend, the one thing that will go with you, even when the stars fall from the sky, as Revelation says, even when the sun shines no more, even when the moon darkens and it's no longer there, even when all the former things are passed away from this world here, there is something that is going to last well beyond beyond all of that and that's your soul and that's your soul we don't talk much about it maybe somebody's here today and say I didn't even know I had a soul oh yes you do oh yes you do you see what your most precious possession is the Bible clearly says is your soul and that's what he says for whosoever, for what is a man profit if he gain the whole world? Gain the whole world. Have everything in this world that you can imagine and lose your own soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So how important, how valuable, how precious is your soul? It's worth more than anything we can't even imagine. And that's what Christ says is important. And every person in here Living and breathing has a soul. Every one of us has a soul. Your soul is infinitely more precious than anything this body of life has. And it will last, as I said, when everything else disappears. And all these things combined in the world cannot compare to the value of your soul. Why? Because your soul is going to go on long after you've died. Your soul is going to go on in your physical presence, whether it be in heaven or whether it be in hell. And yet... Yes, there's one and there's the other. Your soul will live forever. And this is very important not to miss. Very important not to miss. And let me uh, hold on there to Matthew 16, if you will. And if you want to flip over to Genesis 2, uh, right in the very front of the Bible, the very first book in the Bible, uh, I want you to read here. And this is the story of the creation of man. And in Genesis chapter 2, and in verse 7, it says these words, And the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Do you hear what he says there? Did you hear that? It says the Lord God 
The Lord God, that's who created you. That's how you were here. That's how you were formed. He created man from the dust of the ground. And listen what he's saying here. He created a physical body. And he created that physical body. And his name was Adam, the father of all that was living here. His name, Adam, and he created that body. So there is a physical body. And there is a spiritual body. The Bible tells us in the book of Corinthians, it reminds us once again, that in the 15th chapter, there is a natural body. And there is a spiritual body. And so therefore, all that we think about in our lives today is our natural or our physical body. But I'm going to tell you something. Unless you consider your spiritual body, that which will go on beyond this body, you better consider that because that's what will determine your eternity. What you will do about your soul. God breathed breath into man and man became a, a living person, a physical being. Uh, when he formed man there from the dust of the earth, he became a living being. And then when he breathed life into him, he became a living soul. So there is a physical body and there is a spiritual body. And we need to understand that today. And it's very important for us to know that uh, because when we die, uh, we got an appointment and that appointment is called death. And we are going to have already found out what we have done, if you will, about our soul. And it's up to you. It's up to me. I can't do it for you, Leonard. I can't do it for you, Brandon. I can't do it. Nobody else can do it for you uh, because it's your soul and it's my soul my soul is just mine it's no one else's but God's who gave it to us and created us so therefore it's up to you about your most precious possession that you have more precious than all the wealth of the world combined is your soul and I ask you this morning what are you going to do with your soul today what are you going to do what are you going to do? You know, the Bible tells us uh, that when God created us, uh, that the spirit of life moved into Adam, and Adam became a living soul. And though, therefore, we need to realize that in life, as we grow and live and we come to a point of realization, uh, that God begins to speak to us in our minds and through our hearts about our soul, about our eternity. And he begins to speak to us and he begins to deal in our minds and he begins to wonder and we begin to question and we begin to think. What about this soul? What about his grace? Why did Jesus die for me? And you might say, well, you know what? I, I, I'm just not ready. I'm just not good enough. So tell me when you're going to be ready. And I'll, I'll, I'll ask you the next question. Are you sure you're going to be here then? Are you sure you're going to be here then? Uh, listen, every one of us needs to understand uh, uh, this thing that we need to comprehend uh, that's hard to imagine uh, until you come as a childlike faith simply believing. Simply believing. I'm going to be straight up for you. This is, uh, come to me and let's just say it. I don't really understand how a sperm can go into an egg and from that become you and I, one of us. I don't understand how that works. 
I don't understand how a, a baby, a child forms from that. And, and somewhat close to nine months later, a child is born. And when that child is born, there is a soul in that child. And then that child, as it begins to grow, and the Bible calls it an age of accountability. And we get to that point in time, then God begins to speak to us. And he begins to uh, uh, come into us. And he begins to put that question of, what are you going to do with your soul? He begins to remind us about, we've got an eternity. Because when God breathed in, as I told you back there in Genesis 2, verse 7, man became a living soul. We sing a song to Canaan's land, I'm on my way where the soul of man never dies. Your soul will never die. It will never die. This here that you see, the Bible tells us from the Old Testament throughout the New Testament that it's going to die. We've experienced it in this church, two different families, twice this week. We need to understand that. And we need to realize that it's not what we do with this physical body and how much time, how much attention uh, do we give this physical body here? How much do we pay attention to all about this and, and want to satisfy the need of this physical body? Uh, but my friend, there is a spiritual body uh, that we need to be listening to and we need to be thinking about and we need to realize how important that is uh, to understand this soul, my friend. Jesus is wanting us to understand and learn about. In the book of John, in the chapter of John, uh, third chapter of John, I, I'm just going around today, I want us to look at that. In the book of St. John, in John 3, uh, Jesus came unto a man, and, and this was a man who, his name was Nicodemus. Well, I'll just read it here. In John chapter 3, and, and he said, this man was of the Pharisee. Now, a Pharisee was one that's supposed to know some stuff. A Pharisee was one that's supposed to be educated in the Old Testament. A Pharisee is one that's supposed to know what they ought to know. And there's a lot of people today thinking they know what they ought to know, but they don't know what they need to know. You understand that? They think that, well, I'm okay, and, and I'm a good person, and that's what you think you ought to know. But what you ought to know, without Jesus, you won't make heaven. That without Jesus... You might say, well, Jesus is here. But listen, there's a difference. <laughs> yeah. Let me, it's just come to me. Hold on a minute. Goodness. $50 bill here. Isn't that a 50? See that, Jim? Yeah. I believe you'd keep it. So. <clears throat> $50 bill. If I should do this. Yeah. Just... Smash that up. Because I can do it. See that? That's a $50 bill. What if I did this? What if I did that? What if I rolled it through dirt? What if I did all of those things to it? Huh? And that's kind of like us. Guess what? When I get it open. When I get it open. It's still valuable. It's still a $50 bill, isn't it? And may I tell you, that's the way Jesus looks at us. He doesn't look at us and how clean and pressed we are. 
and how prim and proper we are. He doesn't look at us that way. He looks at us and he doesn't see the scraps. He doesn't see the dirt. He doesn't see what all it's been through in life. But he sees what it truly is. And that's what Jesus does for us today. Why? Because there's none of us righteous. The Bible says there's none good. You might say, well, I know I'm not righteous, but I'm going to tell you what, he goes on down. He says, there are even, even none good. No, not one. And we all think we're good. Maybe we don't all think we're righteous. But the Bible even goes on and says there's none good. But did, Jesus doesn't look at that. Do you know the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us in the state of life that we're in and because he knew that we could not do anything to get our soul to be with him uh, without his redemption. And that's why Jesus came. And you might say, well, I, I didn't do anything to deserve that. Adam did. Adam did. And because of the sin of Adam, the Bible says, death passed upon all of us. And because of that, Jesus Christ and God the Father sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to come and listen here. Not only did he live until uh, uh, the age of just a little over 33, and, and they sang a song earlier today, and when he was about 12, he was, he was in the temple, and he was speaking to the priests and the lawyers and the doctors and, and those who thought they knew it, and they were baffled at his uh, knowledge. But then at about the age of 30, he began his ministry. You see, the Bible tells us in Jeremiah that God's got a plan for every one of our lives. Jeremiah 29. God had a plan for Jesus' life. And at about the age of 30, he began his ministry. And in that ministry, Jesus showed many wonderful things. But the bottom that I'm getting to... As you and I both probably know that Jesus died on a cross and it wasn't a fancy cross there. It was an old rugged cross. And he died on that cross so that you and I, for whosoever will, for God so loved the world. What would you do for somebody who says, I despise God? What would you do for somebody that says, I don't need God? What would you do for somebody that says, I don't believe there is a God? What would you do to say, well, I think there's a God, but I just don't know. What would you do? You would say, well, be that way. God said his only begotten son that whosoever believe on him should not perish. Didn't say die, but have everlasting life. For God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So let me tell you what Jesus spoke to Nicodemus about. He said, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, great teacher. We know, we, listen here, they talked about him. Have you talked about Jesus? Have you talked about where you are in your life with Jesus? Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. We know that. He came to Jesus at night because he didn't want people to know he knew that. Or he didn't want anybody. Else. And listen, 
Jesus spoke to him. For no man can do the miracles that you do except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, and listen, and this is the same thing he has to say to everyone and does say to every one of us. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can a man be born again? And Jesus said unto Nicodemus, and Nicodemus said unto uh, him, How can a man be born again when he's old? And how can he be born again a second time into his mother's womb be born? And Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto ye, except a man be born of the water. And that's the physical. Except a man be born of the water. Baby is born in the water of the womb. Except the, born of water and of the spirit. There's the soul, the spiritual. You see, so we have a physical body. And Jesus says we're born of that physical body, the water. We're born of that body. But we need to be born again of a spiritual, the soul. He said, unless a man be born again of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. And he went on to say, you know what? The wind blows and it, and it listens, it passes you and, you, and you hear it, but you can't see it. You don't know where it comes from and whether it goes. He talks about a natural body, the physical body, and the spiritual body. What are you going to do with your soul today? Have you thought about what your soul is requiring from you? I don't know that I had one. Yes, that's what I said. How many of you today just don't have to raise your hand, but when I was thinking, what's your most precious possession? You started thinking about, well, you know, I got this or I got that. Or... No. No. Maybe the most of us say our house, but I remember when I was about 18 years old, I watched our house burn to the ground. And the only clothes we had is what I had on. And those were ripped. I was cut because I tried getting inside my house to get what I could get out. Why? It's not your house. It's not anything that you have accumulated. It's not your bank account. What's your most precious possession is your soul. What are you going to do with and about your soul? <laughs> well, let me, let me tell you something. Uh, I'm thinking... Where is it at? Over here maybe in, in, in Luke uh, 16. Let me, let me find some. Uh, look at this. There's a, there's a man. Yeah. Luke 16. I want to read a passage of scripture here. Jesus talks about how important this is. There is a natural body and that's what you see. And there is a spiritual body and that's the living soul that we have. And the Spirit of God needs to come in and dwell in that soul. 
Because if you don't invite Jesus to come into your heart and your life, and that's a lot of times people say, well, my heart's just telling me, or my mind is telling me and urging me. That's the soul we have. But if you don't invite Jesus, there was a, a certain rich man. And don't get hung up on that rich guy. Don't get hung up on that. Then was just saying that man thought his most precious possession was his own wealth. All the things he had, all the things he needed. So the Bible says there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen. Purple was the color of royalty and made someone think that they were something when they wore that color. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at the gate full of sores. Didn't have a home, evidently. Didn't have wealth. Didn't have those things that we need and strive to have. Said, but he desired to be fed with simply the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. But the rich man didn't even have compassion on him. The Bible says the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass, and that means as time went on, as time went on, that rich man died. I don't care how much you own, you can't buy another day when that appointment comes for you. That rich man died and was buried. And listen now, and in hell... He lifted up his eyes, being in torment. So don't think this is all there is. Don't think that death is the end. This man died, and in hell he lifted his eyes, and he said, I am in torments. So this physical body <laughs> may go back to the dust, but that soul and that person that we are, I am tormented. And he said, oh, lifted up his eyes. The beggar died also. Listen. But, I, but Abraham said unto son, him, son. Well, let me go back up. I want to read another verse. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus. See, he remembered him then. You may say no today. Last, week, last week's message was entitled Almost. Huh? I almost come today, preacher. Almost, but I didn't. Almost got saved, but I didn't. Yeah. Too many people today are playing the game of almost. And you don't have it. But he says, let me go back. And he cried, and for I'm tormented. And Abraham said, In thy lifetime, good things. He lifted up his eyes, and Abraham said, Father, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. This life isn't all there is, people. Yeah. How many people are walking around saying, Well, we. We grow up, we live, and life's a party, and when we die, the party's over. I think you're right about that without Jesus. It won't be no party in hell. Amen. 
But Abraham said, Son, remember thou in thy lifetime thou receivest good things and Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And besides this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. And in other words, when you die, you don't get a second chance. There is no such thing as reincarnation. Anybody in here being re reincarnated? You have no clue. I would call you dumber than a box of rocks if he was to tell me that. When you die, you're dead. It's done. But listen to what he goes on to say. There's a great gulf fix when you watch past, and they couldn't come to you. And then he said, Well, I pray thee therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers. See, now he's thinking about somebody else. For I have five brothers, and they may testify unto them that they should not come unto this place of torment. Now he's concerned. And Abraham said unto them, They have Moses and the prophets, and let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went from the dead, they will repent. Guess what? One came from the dead. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Without asking God, without you ever asking God to come into your life, to forgive you of your sin and save your soul. You're going to meet this rich man. You're going to meet this man. Now you won't be able to talk to him much because he's still in torments in those flames. He's still in that flame. He's still in hell. People don't like to talk about hell because it's not a nice place. I'm going to tell you hell is just as real as heaven. And when God breathed into man that physical body, Adam ain't here no more. But that spiritual body lives forever. So I ask you today, and yes, you have your senses. This man had his senses. He was thirsty. He felt pain. And he wanted someone to help. He cried out. Let me ask you today. I was to know now, you know now, what is your most precious possession? It's your soul. Now the question is, what are you going to do about your soul? What are you going to do about it? Today, Jesus is saying, Today is the day you need to decide what you're going to do about your soul. Will you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And say, I just don't think I can live. I, I just don't think I can live for Christ. And I know, you, know, you, you can't in yourself. I'm going to tell you right now. You're going to fail. You're going to fumble. You're going to come short. Paul, one of the, who wrote most of the New Testament, he said, the things I want to do, I find myself not doing. And the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. But guess what? <laughs> I go to my Father. And Father's there to forgive me.
said, no, you can't live a perfect life. But you can walk with God and God will lead you. And as long as you follow Jesus Christ in your walk, God will show you and give you the great blessings in life. So I ask you today, what are you going to do? I want to share this verse and then we're going to close. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. Every one of us have an appointment. Every one of us know somebody who has died. It's appointed unto man once to die. That means you got a time coming too. So do I. Should the Lord delay his coming and he comes back together, his church, his redeemed home, we're going to face death right here. It's pointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Simply put, the judgment is when God looks in his book and said, that person accepted my gift of salvation, and his name or her name is written in the Lamb's book of life, enter into the joys of the Lord. Now he looks in that book and says, wait a minute, I don't see your name. Sorry, Scripture here. Sorry, I never knew you. Depart from me into your workers of iniquity. What are you going to do about your soul today? What are you going to do? You might say, I, I don't know. I didn't even know how to soul till you started. <laughs> now you know. What are you going to do about it? Because you can't say, God, I didn't know. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Here's what you can do. But I want to tell you what. Before you even start thinking about this. You're going to face a battle right now like you've never faced. Right up here. Oh, no. no it's too embarrassing. Oh, no. I don't want to go down. Oh, no. You know, whatever it is. Because once again, if Satan can get you to say, just wait another time. Almost. I almost went. Almost. A lot of people in hell are saying, I almost went. Well, let me tell you something. If you could take, this is how you break that battle. This is what you do to break that warfare, the Bible calls it. What you do to break that warfare is do this. Did you see that? Now, how simple is that? Every one of you has already done that to get where you're at. Do this. That's what it takes. Amen. It's called a step of faith. Amen. I want you to stand. If you like to know Jesus as your Savior, if you realize it, you need Jesus. You need that realization that you're going to live forever and you want to live forever with Him. If you want to come, just simply come. Say, Pastor, I'm not sure what I need to do, but I know you spoke to me today. I felt it in my heart. And I want to come and say, help me to have Jesus in my life. Would you step out and come? Maybe you're here today and you want to join this church. Just come on. Maybe you're here today and you realize you just, you've been saved and you can remember that time. You remember what I was talking about. You remember yours. 
but you've walked away from God. God never left you. I want to tell you that. God never left you. You may have walked away from Him, but He never left you, and He wants you to come unto Him. Will you come right now? Will you come? we could see what Jesus sees if we could see the battle right now that God our Heavenly Father sees you know you might be saying well if someone else would come I believe I would go then and someone else is saying if someone else had come so maybe God's wanting you to go first so that other person you ever think about that what about you? These are coming. What about you? What about you? to put that off when none of us have a promise of tomorrow yeah church all you that are here may I tell you simply this If God is speaking to you this morning and you know, you know, you know that you need to do something and you haven't come forward, we're going to walk across the hall there just a little bit into the fellowship hall. We can sit down and eat. You're going to see me over there. If you just simply tap me on the shoulder, hey, can we talk? We'll go back over into my office. We'll go over here in our prayer room. Whatever. And we'll talk. Believe me, I'd rather talk with you about your eternal destiny than eat anything that's over there. And it's all good. Don't walk away knowing and being just like that man who had it all, he thought, and died and didn't have Christ.